Hello and welcome to the Banker podcast series, Banking Under Pressure, exploring how the financial services industry is coping with the COVID-19 pandemic. In this series, the Banker's editors are interviewing industry experts from around the world to gather insights and advice on specific challenges, best practice and innovations that can help banks and their customers manage during these difficult times. I'm Marie Kemplay, the Banker's Investment Banking and Capital Markets Editor, And in this podcast, I'm joined by Tyler Dixon, co-head of Banking, Capital Markets and Advisory at Citi. Thanks so much for joining me, Tyler. Thank you. Let's kick off with a a kind of relatively straight question. Maybe you can talk to me about how Citi is supporting its clients at this, this, well, unprecedented time, really. I think Citi is the world's uh, truly only global uh, institutional bank in the marketplace. So we're trying to help our clients in over 170 countries in banking, capital markets and advisory. Our client base is primarily large multinational corporates, the world's largest financial institutions, emerging market champions, and governments and sovereigns around the world. And all of them have bespoke concerns and needs during their normal operations. We're seeing even more heightened uh, you know, concerns and areas for us to help them uh, in periods of market dislocation. And clearly, uh, the COVID-related crisis is like a, a crisis we haven't seen before. So we're very busy. The topic that we're spending a lot of time with is liquidity. In this environment, liquidity is very strategic, and it really was a main concern during the second half of March and much of April. In recent weeks, uh, we've seen some of that rush to access liquidity slow down a bit, and um, we hope that continues. We are continuing to lend to companies in uh, affected industries, think of airlines, leisure, industrials, autos, and energy, and we're helping blue chip companies uh, that are strengthening their liquidity positions and presenting clients with additional options uh, to equitize and monetize and eventually uh, do strategic transactions and M&A. Um, our bankers are in constant contact with our clients and reviewing their needs on a daily and hourly basis. And their needs have changed uh, in this unprecedented time as, as the crisis has unfolded. We're providing credit facilities and capital structure on one end When we look at the first quarter, we were prudently extending credit to our corporate clients to support their liquidity needs uh, and business needs. Uh, To give you a reference, maybe 25 billion of draws on previously extended credit facilities and uh, another 20 billion of new credit facilities approved so that we could help our clients with their immediate needs and also bolster uh, their financial flexibility to get from this side of the crisis to the other side of the crisis, given the uncertainty. Uh, We were able to facilitate about just under $300 billion of issuance in the investment-grade debt markets in the first quarter of 20 alone, and we're seeing record levels of debt issuance uh, in this period. With favorable capital markets conditions, which have unfolded recently, we we were initially helping our our clients access the debt market, particularly investment-grade. But more recently, we've expanded to helping less than investment grade issuers issue bonds. Convertibles and equity have become very, very important. And in recent weeks, we've even seen the intensity of M&A discussions accelerate significantly. I think with the favorable uh, environment, uh, we're not only helping corporate clients. I think we're very proud at City that we work closely with governments in the public sector. So we're helping them find liquidity alternatives and have really been helping them issue uh, debt themselves, restructure liabilities. Uh, help with social bonds to support countries in the emerging markets. And we take our responsibilities to helping governments as as seriously as we take uh, helping our corporate clients uh, in in times of stress. So uh, whether we're trying to help our corporate clients, our public sector clients, we're clearly very busy during this unprecedented COVID time. 
Yeah, I mean, it's clear from everything you've just said there, including those huge issuance statistics, how, how busy things have been. I mean, how have you and your teams had to adapt um, your ways of working in order to keep serving clients in all the ways you've been describing just there? The constant that remains for us is even in this remote environment where we're being very careful to protect our clients' interests and our employees, we're very busy being a strategic advisor on helping our clients understand and navigate this difficult crisis and help them with solutions. We're spending a lot of time with them trying to think through this very uncertain future and how they're poised not only to survive, but hopefully eventually thrive on the other side of this difficulty. Um, When we think about it, what's been really helpful is our digital capabilities including onboarding and technology enhancements that we invested in over time and prepared us for this unexpected event. Uh, We've designed to really improve our client experience and drive digital engagement. And that's proven to be very, very helpful despite the stressful conditions. With volume and volatility, you know, moving quickly and in some cases seeing record levels, we're really proud of our operations and technology teams that have allowed us to maintain very high standards and deliver critical business needs to our clients. Uh, and also take care of our employees. So as a result, we've really been able to provide uninterrupted service to our clients and really been pretty flexible uh, with helping our employees uh, with with their needs. Given that we're in 98 countries, working remotely really means something different and different things for people in different regions and different countries. Uh, But most of our team in North America is working virtually. This means our deals are being executed by video and audio conferences, that we're doing virtual business pitches. And luckily, technology has advanced a lot since the prior financial crisis. And and this is unprecedented and gives us the ability right now to execute seamlessly. And and we're proud of that. And we think we can do that on a sustained basis uh, until the new normal is set for us. What's been great is clients have responded really favorably. We're, We're finding CEOs, board members, CFOs and treasury teams being more available given that they're not traveling around the world and running their operations and they're living virtually too to us to hear our ideas. And so we discuss their needs. We work on stress testing, contingency planning. We help them think about not only uh, alternatives, uh, but help them act proactively as appropriate. And it's interesting what you're saying there around those relationships and you being so in contact with clients at the moment so much. Um, you mentioned earlier on at the beginning about the kind of liquidity challenges we'd, we'd been facing, but actually there have been a huge amount of different deals and issuance taking place. How do you feel that the capital markets have been holding up during this period? And have bi- businesses from your perspective been able to get access to the capital that they need to at this time? We're pleased with the, the favorable capital markets environment. Uh, market fluctuations have stabilized relative to the wild swings we were seeing in March. And we're certainly not out of the woods yet. We would anticipate additional volatility. It feels like we're starting to somewhat normalize and see the beginnings of normal capital markets activities on the horizon. And as markets hold up well and our clients feel more confident, we hope the virtuous uh, cycle continues. Uh, Markets investors uh, continue to access global efforts to contain the the, the pandemic and, and lift lockdown restrictions and seeing the opening up of economies as as things that they're focused on. And so I think markets confidence right now is quite strong. Uh, as a result, the market has really been able to absorb a tremendous amount of capacity. When we look at some of the large scale deals uh, we and others have been doing and bringing to the market, uh, you know, we are, uh, you know, we're, we're pleased with the, the market's response. We've talked about record investment grade bond issuance, record secondary offerings, large equity block trades, all of which have been well-received by investors. What we're probably most pleased about is we know that 
the world has to re-equitize given the, the crisis that we're dealing with. And we have seen strong equity capital markets. Uh, we're seeing a pickup in equity activity with volumes uh, up roughly 35% year over year and increased activity in convertibles and vehicles like SPACs, which are, uh, I think, important demonstrations of the broadening out of the equity market capacity. I think the IPO market is even reopened. It's slow, but we see biotech IPOs and sectors that are interesting to the market uh, demonstrating some strength. So uh, we like those data points. I'd say most recently, the breadth and depth of equity capital raising has been impressive. Our clients are really moving quickly to recognize that conditions have been resilient. Uh, and they're, uh, of course, thinking about the uncertainty of the quarters ahead until we get a clearer path to recovery, and they're acting now. Um, lastly, we expect the recovery in M&A activity to take more time, but we've been very lucky to advise on some of the most recent uh, large transactions uh, where companies have been coming together as a result of the crisis uh, in order to become stronger, uh, delever, uh, take out costs. And we see that trend to continue uh, in the near term. And, and then over the longer run, we think M&A activities will build where the winners take advantage of the crisis uh, and the losers, uh, unfortunately, have to restructure. So you've spoken already about how important it's been during this time to have those, those regular conversations with your clients. I'm just wondering, has, has that kind of um, focus on the, the kind of relationships changed City's strategic focus and the kind of wider events that are taking place at all? Has it encouraged a, a, an almost sense of back to basics in terms of what's important for serving clients? It's a great question. In some respects, it's back to basics. So liquidity, strategic, corporate finance advice matters a lot. Rating agency considerations, cost of capital, dividend share repurchase, uh, strategy adjustments, and capital raising, extending maturities, equitizing the balance sheet. These are all important in all environments, as is M&A and strategic thinking. But in the M&A era, we're focused more on uh, defense and defensive M&A, portfolio optimization, uh, reducing non-core assets and looking at consolidation and growth opportunities as highly relevant. And obviously some of the companies in the highly impacted industries are requiring full-scale restructuring. So it's back to basics with the techniques. At the same time, the way these are integrating together are a direct result in a different fashion because this crisis is different than business as usual. We're really spending a lot of our time with our clients, not only giving them good advice, but at this time, communicating with the market, the impact of COVID on their business models, and their forecast and their competitive position matters for the rating agencies, for bondholders, for equity holders, and other relevant groups. So from our perspective, each crisis is different. This one's clearly unique. Uh, we're, we're happy in some respects, uh, I'd say, um, that the environment favors City's universal banking model. What companies need right now is integrated advice and delivery of corporate banking, investment banking, capital markets, and M&A. And it's better to be able to do that with clients on an integrated fashion where clients need one-stop shopping in this environment uh, rather than them shopping a la carte across monolines and boutiques. And so we can provide unbiased advice, holistic solutions, capital, and world-class execution. Great. Thanks for sharing those insights with us, Tyler. And some big themes there, which we could spend plenty more time talking about, I think. But unfortunately, that's all we have time for for this podcast. Um, for our audience, uh, you can keep up to date by sub subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify or Acast. And you can also follow our discussions at thebanker.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.